Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. I've told this story before, so if you've been here for a little while, you get to hear the other version of it. It's never quite the same way twice. Doesn't mean it's not true. I just remember different parts of it differently. But I had got home from church one Sunday where I was the pastor at the Pecos County Cowboy Church in Fort Stockton, Texas, and I had got home. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those deals that you've had a good morning and everything. And, and I went, and I usually try to take Sunday, you know, Sunday afternoon off. I did back then. And um, got home, and, boy, I kicked the old recliner back. The air conditioner was on. And all of a sudden, I stood, felt myself getting no heavy-eyed. And I was just uh, grinning, and life was good. And all of a sudden, I felt that double-wide trailer that I lived in go, Phew. and I thought, man, the wind's blowing out there. And it was sunny whenever we'd come in three minutes ago. And so anyway, I laid there still with a smile on my face, and all of a sudden, that trailer goes, Phew. And I was like, my goodness. So I popped the uh, lazy boy down, and I get up, and I walk in there. And when you walked into our, you know, out of the our bedroom, which we had was a living room. That's kind of weird, I know. But anyway, uh, when we walked out into the big room, you could see east and west. Actually, it was north and south. I apologize. You could see north and south. And um, the windows are open over here, and the windows are open over here. And so I'm kind of ducked down because I've got this porch that I built that I was real proud of. You wouldn't have been proud of it, but I was proud of it. It was a sheer act of perseverance and will of God that that thing went up. I don't know how you can line two poles up and put one in the middle and be this far off. You want that, if that's an architectural design, I need to start charging more money for my carpentering skills. But anyway, so we had that, uh, that porch on the south side because we didn't have no trees or anything. We just put a double-wide trailer right in the middle of a pasture. And so we built this, this uh, big porch, and you had to kind of duck down like this to see out from under it because it went down so far so that the sunlight wouldn't shine in those row of windows there. And I remember looking down like this, and I mean, it is nasty, nasty outside. And I got to thinking, man, about that time Christy comes in, and, you know, we had our, our little... Uh, foster daughter that we were going to adopt then and uh, Rebecca and she come walking in and she was like what's going on and I'm looking and everything like that and I mean it is getting bad out there and I don't get really nervous around weather or anything I think it's kind of cool I'm the kind of I'm the guy that stands there at the door and watches the tornado go by I don't like to stand there at the door when it's coming at you now, I don't know that a tornado was coming at me, but I knew that we had to do something because out there at the ranch, there was about a quarter of a mile that separated. I was the king of my double-wide trailer and the cinder block ranch house, the big house. And my grandmother was gone for the weekend. And so anyway, I'm standing out there, and I'm looking through this window like this, and all of a sudden, my porch disappears. Whoo! And I went, there goes the porch. Now, I'm not very good at measuring distances. I, I couldn't tell you if it was 4 feet or 40 feet. I, I don't know. I know whether or not a rope will reach it, but that's about it. And so, But I did know that from the telephone pole outside due to county regulations, it had to be you couldn't have your house closer than 50 feet. So I knew it was 50 feet to the telephone pole, and it was about that far to the arena. 
And as the porch leaves, and I said, there goes the porch. I look like this. And that porch, all of it combined, still together, lands in the middle of the arena and goes off like a grenade. When I saw that happening, I looked at Christy, and I said, grab the wiener dog. We're going to the big house. So we snatched up the wiener dogs. We snatched up the cow dogs. We snatched up the kiddos. We didn't leave them. Y'all were thinking I left them. We grabbed the kids, we grabbed the foster daughters, the real daughters, the real sons and everything. And I got out and I pulled my old truck right up to the back door where they could bow and Luke duke it into the truck. Because now it was starting to hail. And I ain't talking about hail, I'm talking about hail. And so anyway, we get them in the truck and it's a quarter of a mile drive and I was driving a, a three-quarter ton long bed crew cab Ford pickup. And when we got about halfway there... I don't know if it was Riley or Griffin or, or who it was, but they said, man, Dad, the wind's really blowing. And I didn't want them to see how scared I was because I wasn't sure that that truck wasn't going to lift up off the ground and just be thrown. That's how hard the wind was blowing. And it was coming right at us. And I mean, mesquite limbs coming down through there, but you couldn't see anything but for the hell and the rain. And so I was just like, ah, don't worry. And inside my old heart's just... So anyway, we make it over to there, the big house, and we get inside. And just like West Texas weather is, whenever we got inside, all of a sudden I'm standing there and I'm looking. And I don't know if it, I can't remember if it's Riley or Griffin. They said it's raining in the bedroom. So we went in there, and the wind had just rolled up the tin like a piece of tin foil, ripped the roof off. It's raining straight down in one of the bedrooms. And so we're gathering anything that will hold water. And I'll never forget, I was, boy, I was barking orders like a Navy commander. You go get this, and you go. We had trash cans, we had bowls, we had spoons. I mean, if it could hold water, it was going on the floor. And I'll never forget, Griffin comes in with a basket. One of those blue ones you like put in the bathroom and stuff's got holes all in it. I said, Griffin, is that going to hold water? He said, it'll hold this much. You sure right, kid, put it down. <laughs> and so he put it down, and by the time we got all, everything in that whole house that would hold water, it quit raining. Of course, do you feel like the storms of life are blowing you away? Do you feel like you can't see anything? Do you feel like you're going through hell this big, literally and figuratively? Right below the surface. I know I'm not the only one that feels this sometimes. But right below the surface is the feelings that we really don't want anybody to see or know about, do we? Just bubbling, we try to ignore them, but it's like something on the tip of your tongue or, or in the back of your mind that's just itching to get out. That a paper-thin barrier is there, and if you don't pay attention, you don't watch, that everything is just going to fly apart. Fear, suffering, questions that you don't have the answers to, accusations, excuses. Is that what dominates your thinking a lot of days, despite what face you put on? Despite what everybody else thinks is going on in your life? Everybody may think that you've got everything going on, but inside of you, you know it's not true. You know that you are just a step away from completely losing control, of completely losing faith sometimes. Are you wondering if it's ever going to end? The storms of life? Does it feel like it, that there is no eye in the storm? It's just one storm rolls in after another? That there is no blue skies? Is it all you can do to just get up in the morning? If we believe in God and have given Him our life, why is this so hard? 
I think it's a question that we all ask. I know it's a question we all ask. Maybe it's one of those questions that we hadn't dare ask, but we know it's there. There was another storm in the Bible, and I think that we can learn a lot from it. Um, Jesus has just got done feeding a whole lot of people, and he sends his boys, his cowboys, his disciples, he sends them out in a boat, and he says, you know what, y'all go ahead and cross this, this, uh, this big pond called the Sea of Galilee, y'all go ahead and cross it, and I'll catch up to you. They said, you sure? And he said, yeah, do what you're told. They said, okay. So they got in there, and they start going. And during the night, a storm comes up, and so they're all awake. Now, you have to understand, these are fishermen. They're not landlubbers like me. You know, they don't get freaked out when the, when the boat goes doing like this. So if experienced fishermen, and I'll tell you a little story. I was talking to my, my brother um, the other day. They went to Costa Rica uh, fishing down there, and he said that one day their fishing got cut short because the waves were so tall. He said they were like 15-foot waves, and he said the top of this boat was big. It was a big fishing boat, and he said the waves were over it. And he said, it was one of the scariest things I'd ever been in. And he said, I'd have gone in like two hours before, but finally, whenever the guides say, you know what, we better go in. Thought, okay, let's go. And so they go in, and he said, it's like the perfect storm. He said, I just felt like we was all going to die. And he said, we start going in, and the closer you get to land, the worse it got. And he said, we got over there, and there was two guys out there in a little bitty fishing boat, and they were just fishing away. They just waved at us as we went by. They didn't have a care in the world. They were seasoned fishermen. You have to understand that the disciples were seasoned fishermen, most of them, but they're freaking out. So if they're freaking out, we ought to be freaking out. You know, if the, if the bravest guy in the bunch is running the other direction, there's probably a reason, right? So anyway, there's this big storm that comes up. They're all out on deck, and they're all kind of freaking out because everything's going bad. And all of a sudden, they see somebody walking across the water. And they think it's a ghost. And they get uh, if they think their terror went from here to here... And they get all scared, and finally Jesus says, hey, it's just me. And Peter, God bless Peter. I think a lot of us have got some of that guy in us. I mean, Peter's like, hey, if it's you, tell me to come out there, and I'll walk out there to you. Jesus says, well, come on in. So Peter, he climbs out of the boat. Now, they are in the middle of the ocean, or not the ocean, but a sea. It ain't, it ain't no kiddie pool. It ain't like wading across in your little dog's you know, bathtub back there in the backyard. We're talking about you, you will die. But Peter gets out and he, start, he starts walking out there to Jesus. And, you know, Jesus is standing there. He's like, come on, fella. You're doing good. And all of a sudden, well, Peter starts looking around at those big waves. And he starts to sink. And he's like, help me, Jesus. How many of y'all said that before? I've said that on the back of a bucking horse before. He helped me right off many times. You got to be specific when you talk to God sometimes. Jesus reaches out and grabs him and says, you know, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And they climb back in the boat and Jesus tells the waves to shut up and the wind to shut up, and they do. The storms of life. And I think that that characterizes a lot of our spiritual lives. We believe in God. We've seen him in some form or fashion. We've seen him in our lives. But yet we walk out there to him and automatically we start sinking. What starts out as awesome turns to awful when Peter starts thinking instead of, instead of trusting I mean, is it just cowboys or do other people go, why am I doing this? What, what, what was I thinking? And I, and I think Peter, I think he thought that. He got out of the boat, boy, he goes out there, he's like, uh-oh, this might not have been such a good idea. Whoop, there he goes. But Peter starts thinking about things instead of trusting God, didn't he? 
Suddenly he's in a bigger mess than he was. He used to be at least in the boat. Now he's not even in the boat. Let's look at three verses and see if we can learn anything about how to handle the storms in our lives. In verse 27, But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. Whenever they saw him, they thought he was a, he was a ghost. They said, Take heart. I'm sorry. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And in verse 28, he says, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. Man, he used that a lot, didn't he? Come on. When he called the disciples, what did he say? Come on. Come on. Whenever he's walking on water, he tells Peter, come on, come on. Even whenever he died and went to he- and died and then he rose again, he's cooking breakfast for them and he says, come, eat with me. Jesus is always telling us, come on, come on. He's trying to get us untracked. You know, I see a lot of people, a lot of people make the mistake and, and, and Griffin did it the other day. And it wasn't his fault, it's just you learn by experience. We was gathering cattle, it was me and Ty and Jared and Phil and... We're going down through there, and old Ace kind of starts acting up a little bit like he does sometimes. And Griffin kept trying to pull back on him and everything, and I told him, I said, get him going forward, Griffin. Don't get him stopped or going backwards. Get him going forward. You can work with forward. You can't work with standing still or going backwards. Get him on track. I mean, I've been on 100 horses, if not more. You get on them and everything's good, but the scary part's getting them on track. (laughs) But you can't do nothing until you do. You can sit on a horse all day long. Are you getting anywhere? No. You've got to get them untracked. And that's what Jesus is trying to do for us. He's trying to get us untracked. He's like, come on. What are you doing just waiting there? Get out of the boat. Get out of the chair. Get out of your head. Get out of your feelings and come on. The first thing Jesus said was take courage. Now, I think that that's an interesting point, don't you? Why did he, what did he say? He used a verb there. He said, take courage. That's a verb, man. That's something that you have to grab onto. He's telling you, grab hold of it. Take courage. In order to take something, it must be intentional. You can't take something by accident. If, you know, I've got a good friend of mine, Lee Baker's wife, Tina. They lived a mile down from us out at the ranch at Kynosa. What are the odds of getting pooped on by an owl twice in your life? Those are some amazing odds. But the fact is, I don't know where I was going with that. No, I do. In other words, you, you don't just give, you just don't get courage. You got to take a hold of it. You're not, the courage is not going to fly by and go woo-hoo and poop on your head. You got to grab hold of it. It has to be intentional. Most of the time, we're walking around waiting for somebody to give us courage. <laughs> courage don't come from outside, it comes from inside. Take courage, Jesus said. Get a spine, suck it up, get back on. Somebody asked me one time, they said, how do y'all do that, y'all get back on? I can't do that. I'm like, you think we want to? Some, I mean, sometimes we're mad. You couldn't keep us off of it. But sometimes it hurts real bad, and you don't want to get back on. But you know you got to. Take courage. The second thing that Jesus said was, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. You know what? Never let fear control you. Never let fear control you. Unless your wife is mad. Then it's okay. Oh, and if there's a shaved llama, it's okay to let fear control you then too. I mean, it's, there's nothing shameful about that. Or sharks. If you see a shark, it's okay to be afraid. You can let fear control you then. But those are the only instances that I can think of where it's okay to let fear control you. But think about that. Don't, Jesus said it time after time, man, don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Do not fear. Blah, blah, blah. You, man, he repeated himself all the time. You would think that we would get it. But you know what? Being afraid 
is probably responsible for 99% of the bad decisions we make and then suffer through the consequences of. We made a decision out of fear. Either we did something because we were afraid not to do it or something along those lines. We made a decision based upon fear. Never make a decision based on three things. Never make a decision based upon fear, money, or what somebody else might think of it. I guarantee if you kept those three things in mind, never make a decision based upon money, fear, or what somebody else might think of you for making that decision. That decision needs to be between between you and God. Porky pig announcer. Auctioneer is what I meant to say. Jesus said, take courage. He said, don't be afraid. And he said, come on. Come on, cowboy. How many of you want to do that, but you're stuck, man? You can't get untracked. You know what God's got a great promise for you. We've talked about him. The promise that he'll answer your prayer. The promise that you can be happy. The promise that he's got a great plan for your life. And all he tells you is, come on. And yet we just stand there. Uh, I'm right here, God. Hi, God. He's like, come on. And you're like, hey, I'm right here. Pick me. I've already picked you. Come on. But here I am. I see you. Come on. <laughs> I love you, God. I love you too. Come on. <laughs> We do that, though. We won't get untracked, man. You got to get untracked. You want to grab hold of the promises of God, man, you got to get untracked. You can't just sit there. You can't just stand there. You just can't wallow in your own, you know? We got to come on. We got to get untracked. Jesus said, come on, you have a part to play in this. You got to get up off the couch, out of the house, out of bed, out of your head. Jesus can help you. But the come on part is putting that faith and trust in action, isn't it? You got to come on. And then in verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. I want, you know what I've always wondered? Doesn't say, but did Jesus pick him up and did, did Peter walk on water back to the boat? Or were they, you know, close enough or, you know, what? I've always wondered if, if, uh, if, oh, Jesus had to give Peter a boost. Here you go, Peter, get up in there. Huh. It's just things I think about. And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Those, Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are the Son of God. You want to unleash God's power, the storms in your life? He can make them go away. He controls the winds and the waves. There's nothing that he cannot do. A leper walked up to Jesus and said, If you are willing, you can heal me. And Jesus said, I am willing. He is. But what if he doesn't? Because there are instances where he doesn't. I was riding through the pasture with Ralph Hager, and I was on a young colt. You know, I'd kind of cinched him up, you know, not real tight. I didn't tear him in two or anything like that, but I kind of snugged him up, and we got out there, and we trotted some circles and everything like that, and he was kind of humpy still after about... If y'all don't know what that is, that means he's, he's thinking like he wants to buck you off, okay? Um, remember that, Jason. <laughs> trying to get the, the vocabulary down. His horse was pretty humpy, and so anyway, I decided to step off and tighten up the cinch a little bit more in case here in a minute because it, it never gets easier. We keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and then when they get it right, you know, we, we stop. But I wanted to be sure that I had a fair chance in this deal because he weighed just a little bit more than I did, and he was a lot stronger than I was. So I go to step off the horse, and I knew something was wrong when I felt... A dragon bite me on the bottom of the foot. What I thought to be a dragon was actually about a three-inch dried-out mesquite thorn that went up through the bottom of my boot and into 
the ball of my foot. And I went, <laughs> Ralph, because it hurt real bad. It's okay to cry. Toughest guys cry, especially when they got a freaking lance in your foot. No, I didn't cry. Ralph, could you come here for a minute? He rode over there, and he's like, what? I said, Ralph, it hurts. <laughs> and he goes, ow. So anyway, Ralph gets off his horse, and he grabs my foot like a horseshoer. He got my foot right here, and he always carried one of those Leathermans. And he gets it out, and okay, I know, I know. I heard it from Ralph. I don't want to hear it from y'all. I was wearing rubber-soled boots, and that's a no-no. It's okay for walking on concrete, but it's not okay for sticking thorns in your feet. And so he gets his leatherman, he's going to pull it out like a nail, and he pulls it out, and he goes, uh-oh, because now it's broke off. And he goes, don't worry, I've got a knife. And so he closes the pliers part, and he pulls out a knife, and he starts digging this out, but he moves it every time he touches it. And, I, you know, I peed a little. It wasn't a lot. <laughs> I mean, it, ain't, it ain't no shame, guys, you know. I mean... Sometimes it hurts bad and you pee a little. And so anyway, I, it wasn't the leg he had up either, so it was all good. And so anyway, he's, he's doing like this and he's moving it, and every time he grabs it, it just breaks. He said, we're going to have to go to the house. I said, okay. He goes, are you going to walk? I said, are you going to be stupid? Getting on my horse, I ain't walking anywhere. So I get up on this colt and I am actually praying now, God, whatever happens in my life for the rest of my life, do not let this horse buck me off with a four-inch lance in my foot. So I make it back to the house and I tie the colt up. And today's training has suddenly, suddenly turned into we are going to soak the horse and let him learn how to stand there the rest of the day. God has a funny way of training horses. So anyway, we tied him up right there and everything and I kind of peg-legged it into the house. And Ralph said, I got to thinking about something. I said, what? And he goes, it's going to hurt when we take your boot off. I said, you think? He goes, no, I know it is. This is great. He was a sadistic man. So anyway, he had to break the thorn off in my foot in order to get my boot off. So now, I've, you know, I don't have that much left in there. But Kathy, his wife, walks in there and brings in like this surgical equipment that he would use to uh, perform a C-section on a cow to get this thorn out of my foot. And I'm like, good grief, Ralph, what are you going to do? You cut my leg off? He goes, if it has to be, we got to get it out. Kathy looked at me, and she goes, you know, I'll be there for you for anything, but I can't be here for this. I've watched him do this. You'll probably never walk again. I was like, good grief. Ralph said, trust me. <laughs> I was like, okay. The only thing tender about that man is when he said, this is going to hurt like hell. And it did, but he got it out. Took me 12 staples and three emergency room visits. No, not really. He got it out. But it, he was, you know, he didn't do it like your mama does, like picking at it with a needle. He, he, made, a, he made an X incision about this long, quack, quack, and then peeled it open and reached in and grabbed it and goes, it's over now. <laughs> it still hurts. So he sprayed it with some betadine and stuff, and then I peed down the other leg. Hey, listen up. I know God was really talking to you today. If you'd like to hear the whole story, get online and get it at www.savethecowboy.com. There you will find all you need to get where Jesus wants you to be, no matter how long or little you've been riding with him. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. Okay, <laughs> maybe just a little bit, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need you to saddle up with us and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. I'm asking you to go to savethecowboy.com and make a donation to help us out. 
This program was brought to you in part by my good friends Jim and Kelly Gerald of Integrity Auto Repair and Rod and Brenda Denning of Tumbleweed Hay and Holly, both from Kiowa, Colorado.